She mm-hmm. said uh, when she went in um, with a lump, they mm-hmm. basically denied her mammogram and said, you're too young for breast cancer. And they wrote on her medical documentation, mammography recommended at age 40. Wow. And once I heard that, I knew that that her story needed to be heard and mm-hmm. that number one, I wanted to make sure that that never happened to another woman again. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it, for me, it was more about advocating. I think that's what CrossFit has really taught me is how to mm-hmm. advocate for my own health, how to advocate mm-hmm. for my body, how to be aware of my own health um, and how to take ownership in that. Right. And so while I was teaching that to people every day, my friends and the healthcare system we have mm-hmm. kind of failed her in a sense. And she failed herself, you know, and you, you asked Sessie today and you ask her, what does she want to tell people from her story of breast cancer? And she's like, advocate for yourself. This is episode number 127 with Sayana Hansen. Welcome to Pursuing Health. I'm Julie Fouché, family medicine resident and former CrossFit Games athlete. Here, I bring to you information and inspiration from experts and everyday individuals for how to use lifestyle to maximize health. Thank you so much for joining me. Now let's get started with this week's episode. Welcome to Pursuing Health. I'm super excited to be here with Zayana Hansen, otherwise known as Z by I think most people. So thank you so much for joining me. I was just talking about how last minute during the holidays, but I really appreciate that you're taking the time to chat. Of course. Thanks for having me. I really, I really, I appreciate it. And I'm excited to to talk to you about health and breast cancer. Yes. (laughs) Best topic. (laughs) Um, so I, I'm excited too, because I, you know, our paths have crossed a couple of times that we never really have had a chance to really sit down and talk. So I'm excited to hear more from you, but I think I was just thinking back to the first, my first encounter with Barbells for Boots, I think it was in 2011 or 12. I went to a event on a tour in Chicago. Um, and that was my first kind of Barbells for Boots grace event and, um, and then I think we, there was one year at the CrossFit Games where we were in a newlywed game or some sort of couple <laughs> <laughs> game. <laughs> I remember like my husband and I were not even married at the time. I don't even think we were engaged, but we were in that game. <laughs> that was amazing. <laughs> so that was fun. And then last year, so not this past year at the games, but the year before, um, my aunt had recently been diagnosed with breast cancer and she comes to the CrossFit Games every single year, even since I've stopped competing. And um, so she came by the booth and you guys were just so welcoming and supportive. And I think that was a really good experience for her too, because I think her diagnosis was still very new at that point. So yes, it was. I remember. We all appreciated that. Yeah. Of course. Full circle. <laughs> I know. Um, so I want to get into all things breast cancer and barbells for boobs, but I thought maybe we could start off just a little bit about how you got into CrossFit and into barbells in the first place. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I think that's a great place to start because obviously barbells for boobs stemmed from my passion for CrossFit. And so um, I found CrossFit, actually, my boyfriend at the time, he was an amateur boxer. We lived in New Jersey 
and he brought home this magazine. It was like a boxing magazine and it was in 2007 and it said, so you think you're fit, try this. And it was a link to the CrossFit.com website. And so we, we looked at the website and I was like, and, and I'm a, I was a professional dancer. I went to college for dance. So I thought okay. I was in pretty good shape, you know, yeah. <laughs> like, I've been a dancer my whole life. I'm, I'm like, I can, I can do this. Yeah, can do um, the workout was Murph. And oh my so, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> and at that time in New Jersey, I think the only affiliate was uh, Steve's club um, okay. down in South Jersey. Mm-hmm. Um, and they only had like the black box in the, in New York city, which we, we would take the train on the weekends mm-hmm. and go there, but there was, really no CrossFit gym in our neighborhood. Um, so we were just doing it at the Globo gym and, and we did Murph, you know, my first mile was like 10 minutes and 31 seconds yeah. or something really bad. Oh my <laughs> I gosh. don't even know what pull-ups looked like then, but um, we did it and it took us over an hour and I was like, what was that? Like, <laughs> can we do it again tomorrow? <laughs> so we just kind of, um, so that's how I, I found CrossFit and, um, and luckily Within, I think, six months, a CrossFit gym had opened up in Montclair, New Jersey, and we kind of helped okay. and we were kind of really a part of that build out of Gorilla Fitness in um, mm-hmm. Montclair, New Jersey. Okay. And and then we decided about uh, maybe like a year into that that we wanted to open up our own affiliate. And we felt there was two reasons that we moved to California. Number one, we were tired of running in the snow. And number two, yeah. <laughs> we didn't want to open up a gym anywhere close to Greg, who is the owner of Gorilla Fitness. And so we okay. were like, we'll just go to California. We'll Off just decide the country. From yeah. <laughs> you guys as possible. <laughs> and, um, and so we moved out to California. We opened up a CrossFit gym in 2009 called uh, Next Level Performance in Lake Forest, California. So wow. that was kind of my introduction to CrossFit in 2007. <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. I know like right in. I just dove right in. Yeah. <laughs> Which I feel like it's that classic do. reaction. Either you're going to love it and you're going to want to do it again the next day or you're never doing it again. <laughs> or it's like, you know what? This isn't for me. <laughs> yeah. That is yeah. awesome. Very cool. So, um, so then you open up this affiliate in California and mm-hmm. at what point do you start, well, I guess maybe you can just go right into the origin story for Barbells for Boobs. How did yeah. how did that whole idea come about? Well, if you run an, uh, an affiliate, you'll understand all of this. Um, <laughs> my entire life was dedicated to running our affiliate. Um, and I mean, to a point where we like, li- we basically lived there. We, we really did live there. Um, we were there all day, all night. We would be up at 5 a.m. Um, there till 10 p.m. And uh, I was really dedicated and passionate in watching people's health grow and mm-hmm. watching it in front of my face, like literally watching people get off their cholesterol medicine or get their mm-hmm. first pull up and and changing their lives. And so while I was doing this, I became very, very passionate and almost too passionate because everything else in my life didn't matter anymore. And so if I had friends that weren't crossfitting, it was like, I was never yeah. going to see them. Right. Yeah. Like, unless they're coming to my gym, I'm like, what are you doing with your life? You, right. <laughs> you, you need crossfit. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so at that time I, I hadn't really connected with a lot of my friends that I, mm-hmm. that grew up in California. So all my friends are, are out here in California. And so mm-hmm. I, I, my best friend, Ceci, that I will always, you know, I, I always the type of friend where a year could go by and you mm-hmm. see each other and it's just, uh, you know, like no time has passed. Mm-hmm. Uh, she sent me an email 
and uh, had informed me that 10 days prior she was diagnosed with breast cancer. And number one, I was just shocked because I didn't think breast cancer happened at our age. Um, I was 29 at the time and she was 26. So number one, I was like, wait a minute, breast cancer is an issue that I have to think about when I'm 40. Like I'll do that three day walk when I'm 40 or I'll, you know, like, right. It was just not something. It wasn't something that I was thinking about at at Mm -hmm. all in any capacity. Um, And then number two, I was kind of just like, well, what do I do to help her? And how do I make sure that I am a great support system for her? And so, you know, she went through all of her, she went through her mastectomy, her reconstruction, um, actually not her reconstruction yet, but she had her double, uh, she had a single mastectomy. So I was there and, and she had told me that she had found this lump maybe six months prior to her diagnosis. And this is what really pissed me off. (laughs) She Mm -hmm. said, uh, when she went in um, with a lump, they mm-hmm. basically denied her mammogram and said, you're too young for breast cancer. And they wrote on her medical documentation, mammography recommended at age 40. Wow. And once I heard that, I knew that that her story needed to be heard. And mm-hmm. that, number one, I wanted to make sure that that never happened to another woman again. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it for me, it was more about advocating. I think that's what CrossFit has really taught me is how to mm-hmm. advocate for my own health, how to advocate mm-hmm. for my body, how to be aware of my own health um, and how to take ownership in that. Right. And so while I was teaching that to people every day, my friends and the healthcare system we have mm-hmm. kind of failed her in a sense. And she failed herself, you know, and you, you ask Sessie today and you ask her, what does she want to tell people from her story of breast cancer. And she's like, advocate for yourself, you know, and (laughs) it's sad that we have to experience something like that. Like a mammogram is a life-saving procedure. And Mm -hmm. they took that away from her, you know, not that they took it away, but they could have easily made that experience way easier, caught it sooner. And so, so um, at that time I was like, how do I support her outside of, you know, showing up and being there. And, um, I was like, I'm going to do a fundraiser for her. And so I, I'd never done grace RX. I was completely afraid of 95 pounds. And I said, I'm going to do grace because to me, that was a workout that I was like really wanting to do RX. And, um, I, I kind of challenged all the girls in our community to do it. And Mm -hmm. at that time in 2009, not a lot of girls were doing RX weights. I mean, 95 pounds. Yeah then was really, really heavy. Now it's like, oh, that's too fast. Like, I'd rather do men's grace. And so it was that was kind of the the most beautiful part about grace. And that's what I I still see to this day, a woman saying like, that's my first time doing grace at 95. Or this year I did at 85. Next year, my goal is to do 95. So even Mm -hmm. that is still, you know, kind of kind of, um, Takes empowering. my breath away. Yeah. Like it's still something so cool that I get to empower women even just to mm-hmm. pick up a barbell. Um, and so two affiliates joined us because that's how many we had in Orange County at that time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, <laughs> and um, we got in a parking lot and we all just threw down on Grace and we raised $2,000 that day. The next week I saw Greg Glassman, the founder of mm-hmm. CrossFit, and he matched the donation. So we had $4,000 wow. and I went to give it to my friend and she told me that she didn't want it that she didn't need it. She was very thankful. She was just like, 
she's like, I'm fine. I don't need any financial support. Like, I really appreciate it, but I want you to give that to somebody that actually needs it. Mm. And so that is really how it all started. It was from her selflessness. Um, Mm -hmm. I could have easily just, she could have easily just taken it and Mm -hmm. done whatever she wanted with it. And uh, she chose not to. And so that made, that made my passion even stronger. Um, Like Mm -hmm. that made the purpose even bigger for me. Um, And that's how we started. (laughs) Wow. So you just took that, you were like, okay, so now we have $4,000. What are we going to do with this? And you decided let's start a nonprofit. Um, no, not not originally. So originally, no. I thought, okay, let me talk to somebody in breast cancer. I okay. want this four thousand dollars to go and help serve young women and make mm-hmm. sure that that another woman is never told come back when you're forty. That was okay. my only idea. Um, mm-hmm. And so I contacted Susan G. Komen of Orange County and I spoke with their executive director, and they are incredible. They were just like, "Z, come on in. We'll talk to you." Mm-hmm. Um, And what had happened that year, so I'll give you a bunch of information that's really irrelevant and you can push pause on the podcast right now unless (laughs) you like don't waste brain power on this. So every single state has a breast and cervical um, cancer program or breast and cervical program and every single state's eligibility requirements are different. Um, And so, for example, California's is called Every Woman Counts. But in order for you to get a breast screening to be eligible to mm-hmm. get a funded screening in in the Every Woman Counts program, you must be 40 years old um, and you have to meet the financial eligibility requirements, the income eligibilities. Mm-hmm. So if you're under 40, mm-hmm. oh, well. And if you're a man, oh, well. Yeah. Um, and also like Florida's is 50 to 64. So mm-hmm. if you're under 50, oh, well. And if you're mm-hmm. over 64, well. Um, And so once I started digging into that and figuring out like, wow, this is a big problem. Like women are going to have, if they don't have health insurance, um, access is is a problem in our country to Mm -hmm. early detection. So I talked to Lisa Walter about this and and I said, I really want to help young women. And she said, Mm -hmm. Z, good luck. Like, we're going to cheer for you because the Every Woman Counts program that year had just changed their eligibility to 50 and over. And so Coleman's focus now was shifting to fill that gap of 40 to 50, which is the Mm -hmm. highest age group of breast cancer diagnosis, Mm -hmm. which why would you cut? I don't know. Again, I'm not going to get political. Um, (laughs) Everything is political, though. And so, (laughs) so, um, you know, they really empowered me and said, hey, like kind of like we need your we need you to do this and we need a young woman to do this and kind of let us know if you need help. And so with that inspiration and knowing that that was happening in our system at that time, I utilized the $4,000 to start the nonprofit. So I went and applied. And so April 29th, 2010, uh, we established our nonprofit status. And that October, we raised um, almost $300,000. Wow. Literally overnight. Like I had no idea, no intentions, no plans. Like I had no idea that me sharing my story was going to kind of explode at that capacity. So, yeah. So how, I mean, what do you think were the factors that contributed to that rapid of an explosion and the amount of money you were able to raise just in that first year? CrossFit. It It is true. We are passionate people. (laughs) Um, well, CrossFit did a video on us and, okay. um, and there was, 
they did a video on the first woman we were able to help and um, that kind of just went viral and people, I think that when somebody in the, so again, if we're CrossFitters, it means we're, we're advocates of our health, mm-hmm. right? And so I think people heard Ceci's stories, a story and their jaw mm-hmm. dropped. Like yeah. you hear that and you're like, wait, what? They told her she was too young. Like mm-hmm. that's kind of BS and that's wrong. And we want to fix this or how do we help fix this? And so I think mm-hmm. that because of the advocacy of the health of our health and the story behind Barbell Tribute, I think that that mirrored um, the the success. You know, that's that was really mm-hmm. what brought it to life. And then also um, CrossFit was signing their contract their first year with Reebok. And so okay. Reebok... Um, CrossFit asked Reebok if they would help me and they were like, yeah. And so that kind of all, it was like a perfect storm of everything just kind of worked for us that year. And, and here's the scary part though. This is, this is the the honest to gosh truth. Mm -hmm. I had no idea what to do with that money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like once it was raised, right. I was like, now what do we do? What do I do? How do I help a woman? <laughs> Did it. Cool. Yeah. Um, and so trying to figure out how to actually help women was the next, you know, mm-hmm. two years of my life of, of, you know, I went back to Coleman and I was like, I raised $300,000. What do I do now? And they were like, you did what? I did it though. And they're like, they brought like eight people in the room. They're like, okay. <laughs> Here's where we're going to start. <laughs> yeah. So wow. it's pretty amazing. That's amazing. So then over those, in that initial time period, how did you end up deciding to use that money to help the people that you're trying to target? And so what I what I found out really early and really unfortunately because I was doing it all wrong, um, I thought that I would easily like a woman can call me says she need a mammogram and I pay for it right like it's just mm-hmm. my like extent the world of knowledge be so simple yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's so simple so I did that once or twice and then my board of directors was like what no you can't that's liability. <laughs> Um, and so, uh, what we had to do is we had to set up relationships with medical homes. So we would find and work with, um, partners and we actually, uh, utilized and leveraged our relationships with affiliates so that they could, um, really give us kind of be the middleman in their neighborhood. And so we really leaned on them to help us find breast centers that they Mm -hmm. trusted and that were good in the community. Um, and so, the, the tour that you were a part of was really us building those relationships nationally. Um, and Johnny over at CrossFit Chicago helped us yeah. align with us in Chicago because they were such big fundraisers. So we were always dedicated to like getting the money back to where it was being raised. Um, and we established 36 partners across the country and we funded those centers. So it really meant we were funding the medical home. And then, mm-hmm. and then the medical home would then say, if a woman, we, we kind of acted as almost like an insurance so if somebody came in for a service, they didn't have insurance, mm-hmm. um, then the center would say, oh, we have this great program through Barbell Tribubes and we'll pay for your early detection mm-hmm. service. And so okay. they would bill us. And, and so we would give them a grant. And then when they were out of it, they would be able to report back on how many women they were able, were able to serve for us. So, wow. Yeah. That's amazing. That's so cool. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And so in that... In- no. Oh. I didn't know that that's what I had to do. Like, it was literally like I became a student of how to financially help people because you, mm-hmm. you start this, you start a movement, you start a nonprofit with all good intention. And then mm-hmm. you, at the end, you're running a business. your business yeah. is just you have to make sure you help people and serve people and, um, and there's impact and you have responsibilities and 
you know, all this red tape on the nonprofit side. And so I had to learn so much so quickly. Um, it was very, very overwhelming for the first two years. So, yeah, I can imagine. What are some of the biggest things that surprised you about running a nonprofit? You, you know, what? I, I guess I didn't understand it then, but the thing that really is really interesting that I think mm-hmm. that I could share this with everybody because this is to me the most interesting part of a nonprofit is every nonprofit is governed by a board of directors, right? Just mm-hmm. like most for-profit entities, you have a, a board of directors. Usually they're a board of investors that mm-hmm. help you make strategy and decisions for the organization. Well, on the nonprofit side, you have the same thing. You have a board of directors that should be there to help you set strategy, to help you make really long-term decisions, mm-hmm. all that good stuff, right? The only difference is they're volunteers, and so like, it's really hard to like, like you, you as the founder and as a CEO, you're like so passionate and you've given every ounce of your life, every ounce mm-hmm. of your bank account, like you give to your project, mm-hmm. um, it's your baby. And then you have maybe five people that are directing you and governing you, but really don't have any vested interest outside mm-hmm. of passion. Right. And right. so that to me is the most interesting part of a nonprofit that there's, they're volunteers, you know, and they'll be like, sorry, I just don't have time. You know what I'm like? Right. You, you're the you. <laughs> that I founded. Can we, can, can you spare 15 minutes this week, please? Um, and so I will say about running a nonprofit is really um, your board of directors is the most important, mm-hmm. is the most valuable volunteer program you will ever put together. Mm-hmm. How did so. you find your board of directors? Um, in the beginning, it was like friends and people like mm-hmm. that were just around and, and were passionate. And I kind of had some relationships with. And then as we grew, it was like, oh, you need to interview people and look for different professionals and diversify mm-hmm. your board. Um, and so we did that as well. And we've, we've kind of changed our board here and there. But mm-hmm. uh, we had a pretty much the same board for, for many, many years so, yeah, that's the most interesting part of the <laughs> That is interesting. I didn't really think about that. Um, so just in general, I'm just a few more questions about nonprofits in general, because I, I don't know a lot about them. And now you've learned a whole lot over the last 10 years. But, um, you know, I think something that the general lay public um, always wants to know is when they're making a donation to some like a cause that they're passionate about that the money's going where they where they want it to and that they're you know they're working with a company that or with a yeah with a company that's um being transparent about what they're doing and so what are things that as a consumer someone who's donating should look for when they're looking for a nonprofit to donate to I love this topic so much. This is another thing I'm passionate about in the nonprofit space um, because I think that what what we've been taught. So if we look at what we've been taught in our education system, there hasn't been any formal education to anybody about nonprofits, about mm-hmm. really charitable giving, how to really just kind of like nutrition. Mm-hmm. There's not been there's no formal education on nutrition. So I'll give you a great example is the way that we evaluate a nonprofit is a pie that breaks down things into three categories, right? Mm -hmm. And 
those any so basically when when I put that pie together, that was the fun part of like when I was like, hey CPA, what's this pie? How do I make a pie? Like, what is this even? <laughs> how? What? Like, I have all these numbers. How do you make this damn pie? You know, like what is this? <laughs> so like my pie learning days, I was like, oh. <laughs> so so if you imagine every time you spend money, every time Barbell Shrew spends money, mm-hmm. I have to say. Was this a management expense? Was this a fundraising expense? Or was this a program expense? Okay. Or was it all three? Or was it two of those things? And so you have to put every single dollar into a percentage allocation at the end of the year. Okay. That makes up your pie, right? And then there's sometimes it's questionable because it's like, well, we went to the games and we connected a survivor to another survivor. And like, mm-hmm. and then we met, you know, so it's like, how is the you games not programmatic, right? Yeah, so, yeah. Then it's like, well, it's all subjective. I could say everything is programmatic, right? At the, I mean, at the end of the day. So that's why I think that the pie is BS because <laughs> it's me in the back. Like, I, yeah, I think that's program, right? I mean, it's like, it's like this, like, you know, like mirage in the back. Like, hey, hey, this is a cool right. pie. But we're just back here, like, plugging numbers into to some equation that doesn't really make sense, right? So mm-hmm. um, a lot of nonprofits, they just put their CEO um salary under programs. It's mm-hmm. like, oh, okay, okay, sure. But <laughs> yeah, is that, what they're, you know, like, so it's, it's so subjective. So I don't think it's the best way to evaluate the performance of a nonprofit. Okay. So it's kind of like nutrition and, and uh, GuideStar has been talking about, um, they actually gave me this uh, uh, analysis. They said, what we want to do is we want to dissect the organization more for performance and impact based evidence, um, kind of like the nutrition facts on anything. Oh, so you know how you can look yeah. at, yeah, like at the cereal and be like, oh, okay, I know the macronutrients. I know all the mm-hmm. vitamins. I, I kind of can look at this now. And if you're somewhat educated in nutrition, you can say, oh, okay, that has a lot of carbs or that's low in fat or it's got some quality protein or whatever. And they want to be able to do that in the nonprofit world as well. So they're working on it. They're thinking about Mm -hmm. it because I think they also see what I see in the pie. I'm like, Mm -hmm. this is it's kind of trash. It's like, yeah, it's it's almost like a sad diet. I want to know. Yeah, (laughs) it's not really it doesn't really tell you. Um, so I think the best way for people to know if they're working with a great organization is to call them, mm-hmm. call them, see if somebody picks up, yeah. see if they respond, see how they treat you. Talk to somebody that's been re- a recipient of their program. Go meet mm-hmm. somebody that works there. Um, you know, how they treat people. Number one is your, it's like, how do you make friends? Mm-hmm. Like <laughs> that's, <laughs> you're, you're, you're investing your time and energy into a person. So it's the same thing in the nonprofit. You're investing time and money into a nonprofit. It's the same way I think about friendships. Like, okay, like if I show, if, if I invite you to dinner, will you show up empty handed or will you bring a bottle of wine with you? You know, so mm-hmm. it's like, how do they treat you when you engage yeah. with them is the number one thing. And then, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a two way street. Like, it's not mm-hmm. like you expect all this from the nonprofit, like they're going to expect stuff from you. Like, okay. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's a, it's a, it's a friendship. So if yeah. you can, and if you look at it like that, then I don't think that people would be so hard on nonprofits. <laughs> I like that. I like that. Like, like a friendship and a nutrition label. <laughs> Friends. <laughs> oh, wonderful. So back to Barbells for Boobs. The first couple of years, you talked about how you kind of sorted through, here's how you're going to support. Um, 
people who need mammograms and who maybe don't have the funds for them. But I know that over the years, you definitely, your the whole organization has definitely evolved. And now you have a little bit of a different focus. So can you talk a little bit about that and how sort of your vision has evolved over the years and the type of work that you do has changed? Yeah. Um, so I think that, uh, number one, when you, when you start somewhere, I think the one thing I've learned the most in building barbell Shabibs is to, it's okay to evolve. It's okay to grow. It's okay to change. It's okay to, um, not get stuck. Right. And I think a lot of times companies and people just get stuck in like, well, this works. Um, and so even though something might work, you still have to listen. You have to have your ears open and listen. And it's really hard to be like, oh, okay, I hear you. Let's make a change. Um, so there was a few key things that happened um, in breast cancer um, and in our healthcare system. And then to me personally, that all, again, were kind of a perfect storm. So in that 2015, 2016 time, the Affordable Health Care Act kicked in, right? Mm-hmm. That mandated everyone to have insurance. Well, that created a really, really big problem for us. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, It made it harder for us to help people. So we started seeing refunds from our grants. So what was happening is now people were having insurance. Now the problem was they didn't need need our funding, but they couldn't afford the deductible. Well, we can't pay the deductible. So now it's not that the the screening deficit Mm -hmm. is solved. It's actually... Harder, yeah. It's harder. And so that happened. And then um, my sister was diagnosed with stage four metastatic breast cancer in 2016. So that happened. And I was kind of in this place of (coughs) where do we go and what do we do? And I kept being challenged by my board saying, hey, if everybody has health insurance, do we matter? And and it really had to make me um, had had to make me think outside of well this has just been working and we've been doing so great here and and also the last thing that happened is in 2017 do you know Avon Foundation for Women yeah they dissolved they're gone mm-hmm. like like 40 million dollars a year of breast cancer and they were a big mm-hmm. partner of ours that allowed us oh, to have. Wow the reach that we had. And so that happened. (laughs) All these things were happening. And I was like, okay, Z, just take a, take a minute and listen and listen to what number one, listen to what your community is talking about and listen to what the needs of your community are. So our community, I, you know, all the fundraisers are, are CrossFit. The people that are funding us, our number one funder is a CrossFitter, (laughs) like CrossFit gym, a CrossFitter. And so, we started seeing this growth in women in our community that were breast cancer survivors needing help getting back to the gym. And it was mm-hmm. pretty consistent and yeah. it was pretty frequent. And so we started organically building a support group. Never talked about it. Mm-hmm. Nobody ever knew. But we were doing all this work back here, like hooking Whitney up with Meredith and, mm-hmm. you know, Robin up with. And we were doing this great work and connecting all these survivors <laughs> But it wasn't organized. We weren't talking about it. It wasn't, to me, I was like, oh, let's just, you know, help them out. And then um, once I started just kind of seeing what the problems were and hearing that doctors were saying, don't pick up more than three pounds, CrossFit's dangerous, all these things, I was like, 
no, Ugh. I'm not okay with this. Mm-mm. And so I said, if I couldn't as barbells for boobs, I, I felt like I would have been a hypocrite if I couldn't help a woman pick a barbell up again after breast cancer. I felt like, I honestly felt like we started barbells for boobs for this, to, mm-hmm. to do this. Yeah. We had, you know, we had this inspiration from Ceci and, and but- did a lot of work. <laughs> And we had, to date, we've paid over 52,000, we've provided funding for over 52,000 procedures where it's like, okay, we like, we did some great work. Yeah. It's a lot. (laughs) It was a lot. (laughs) And so it's like, well, how do we kind of grow and how do we um, do something that's not being done? Mm -hmm. And so I really sat down and I said, what is the one thing that Barbell Tributes can do and do it really, really well? Mm -hmm. And I was like, fitness. That's yeah. what we can do because it's not about just even our community. <laughs> it's about all of the coaches that, you know, like we have an army of people yeah. ready to be in the front line and say, you have breast cancer, come to my gym, come, come, come. Um, and so I said, this is actually something we can do and we could, we will do it the best. Like mm-hmm. Avon can't no do this. No one else can do it like you. No yeah. one else can do this. And the screening deficit, it was kind of something where I was like, Z, I don't think you can do this anymore. Like, I don't think that this is what you're supposed to do. And mm-hmm. you have to be okay with that. And But you have to stay committed to early detection and to keeping your referrals and making sure that women get access to early detection. Mm-hmm. So we're still very committed to that. We still navigate women to services. Like, I still keep in tone with all my referrals. Like, we'll still work with women on that. But mm-hmm. um, but we really shifted our focus. And now we um, provide resources after diagnosis is our... We made it, uh, our board decided this past year that that will be 100% of our focus and 100% of all our dollars being spent on um, mm-hmm. bringing fitness um, after breast cancer. And so, um, yeah, I just now have a tunnel vision of ensuring that, you know, whether it's through a scholarship. Now we, we've kind of evolved it. You know, you start it and you're like, mm-hmm. okay, we're going to provide fitness after breast cancer. And then you start it and you're like, we're doing it all wrong. Oh my God. We okay. So now we're, <laughs> we're going back to the drawing board and, because I want barbells for boobs to be the place they come for the rest of their life. So what happens is a woman gets diagnosed and you've experienced this, you know, very closely and you'll continue to experience this. They go through treatment, they lose their hair. They've got this medical team. Everybody's, you know, their attention is there. People are supporting and then they're done with treatment and their hair grows back and everybody's like, Oh, you're normal. Like you're fine. Right. And they're not, they're going to live with breast cancer for the rest of their life. They're, they're, they're living the fear of of reoccurrence. They're living with the fear of death. (laughs) have all these anxieties and they don't feel normal. They don't feel like themselves. They feel like their, you know, womanhood is gone. And so I want to make sure that we're in the corner saying, we know you're not normal girl. And we know that it's going to be harder to go to the gym today, but we're going to push you and it's going to be awesome. It's going to be fun. And so, but we want to give that, I don't care if you're 20 years out. I don't care if you're 30 years out, like come to us, come to us and pick up a barbell and and we'll help you do that. So. That is so amazing. I love that because it is, like you said, it's so, even when you talk about it, it, it seems like, like you said, this is what you actually were made for to do as an organization and finding that um, and kind of discovering that I feel like must be so rewarding and so exciting. It is. And um, I, I think that for me, so um, April of 2018, my sister passed away. And I think for me, it was really hard because out of all those 52,000 procedures that we funded, I never met one person 
Like I never got to meet anybody that we helped. And so when you have trauma and tragedy happen, that's so connected to the disease that you're, you're fighting every day. Like I, in order for me to move on and keep barbell strips open, I needed to find a way to create some fulfillment. Mm -hmm. And so I just felt so like empty, like that work just didn't feel like it filled my bucket anymore. And I was like, Mm -hmm. I need more hands on. I mean, I'm a coach, you know, I'm a coach. I'm a massage therapist. I need like, I need to be in your face (laughs) feeling like you need to be (laughs) me. I need him. I didn't yeah. know what you ate today kind of thing. And so, <laughs> um, so while that was all great and we did this massive footprint on early detection, I felt so empty and lost and like, and then, and then losing my sister was just like, how do I fill my bucket back up and, and really almost repurpose my work for her. And, um, and she, she, she was, she lived with disabilities. And so the one thing we did on a Wednesday, Wednesday was her walk day. So she always, she was, okay. she stayed active up until the day that she passed. And, um, and so I was like, this is probably the best way to keep her energy and her love and her spirit alive. And, and now we have, uh, 257 women in our program that are all CrossFitters, are all weightlifters, that are all connecting in our support group, that are on the podcast, that text me every day. Um, <laughs> that, um, so you know, we have uh, we have a few dozen in a scholarship program, and uh, we do a collective every year. And so, uh, where it's like a week, they get together. This year, we sent 15 women to the Power Monkey Camp, and it's been so rewarding in a different way. Of um, like, I feel like I get to like my. Like it's almost like a I'm getting replugged, you know. Like yeah. a, like my my outlet was dead. <laughs> and like, <laughs> like I'm gonna plug you back in. See. You're getting re-energized. <laughs> re-energized. <laughs> that's amazing. So that's so much. That's what we've been up to. <laughs> wow, yeah. wow. Oh, I can't even imagine. I mean, first, I mean, even hearing about your sister's diagnosis when you're already working in this area must have been really difficult. But then obviously, you know, losing your sister to, to the very thing that you're working on and trying to help women with must be really, I, I can't even imagine, I mean, in any way how that feels, but. I am I will say that I think that I had to start Barbell Shaboobs. So I started Barbell Shaboobs so that I could be strong enough to get her diagnosis seven years later. Like, mm-hmm. had that been my first breast cancer diagnosis and my first exposure to breast cancer, Mm-hmm. I don't know if I could have handled it the way that I was able to handle it. Um, and so I think that that, that was almost a, a, a warm up. <laughs> it was like my warm up, And then it was like, yeah, once this happens and you're really going to be doing what you, spo- what you're supposed to be, be doing in breast yeah. cancer Z. Um, yeah. and yeah, I've just kind of embraced it. I've accepted it. I've learned how to love breast cancer. I've learned how to, um, be kind to it and be patient with it. And, all those, I mean, you know, my sister died in my arms and that was definitely a rock bottom for me and changed my perspective on life and on our work. And, um, you know, we've, we've made a lot of internal changes at Barbell Shore Boobs and, you know, we did a company-wide layoff. We're pretty much volunteer brand right now. Like we're just mm-hmm. going back to almost like when you start brand new, you have to almost say everything has to kind of restart because, mm-hmm what was happening was a lot of people were resistant to the new direction. And Mm -hmm. because you get so comfortable and you get so stuck in your ways that sometimes you're like, you know what? Like everybody has to be on board. It has to be like every, 
everybody needs a new plug, you know, like yeah. we need a yeah. new outlet everywhere. And so, and those were all hard decisions for, for all of us mm-hmm. um, because I had a team that were like family to me, you know, and um, having to, having to make that decision and the ultimate best interest for Barbell Traboobs was, mm-hmm. was really, really hard, really hard. So. Yeah, I can imagine. It's, I don't know if that, if you can compare it at all, but it makes me think about, um, just the shift in CrossFit over the past couple of years <laughs> and the focus, you know, the refocusing on health and all the structural changes that happened in order to do that. And I think, you know, I think that Greg and the other leadership at CrossFit kind of had a similar mentality of like, we have to, we're going to make a big, we're going to turn this ship in a really big way. And a lot of things have to change to kind of refocus and um, have everybody on board in the same pathway. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think that, I, I'm so thankful for the CrossFit Health Initiative. And when that started happening, I was like, oh, finally, okay, <laughs> we're all on the same page. I've been yes. doing this for eight years now. Like, let's go, Greg. You know, yes. I was so excited about it. I was like, yes, let's go. Um, and, and I think that, you know, I'm so proud of CrossFit for you. It takes a lot of balls. It takes a lot of guts. And like, you have these people that love your brand and love working for you and love this part of what you're doing. And, um, and at the end of the day, you have to, you always have to make the decision that what's right for the ultimate purpose, you know, the ultimate like goal, not what's right, right for this person or that person or this initiative or, or this, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. And, um, yeah, they're, they made so many, so many crazy changes. Um, and they continue, they continue to mm-hmm. kind of surprise us. So I just kind of sit on the sidelines, like what's next? Right. Just see what happens. Just see what happens. <laughs> Oh, goodness. So right now, what are the main, you know, before you said you were funding mammograms and procedures, right now, what are the ways that Farbell Services is helping um, people after diagnosis with breast cancer? So our number one thing when we do get contacted by a woman right now is we need to immediately get them into our support group and listening to the podcast. Uh, so we launched a podcast called Behind the Bra. It's on Spotify. Yay. It's on iTunes. I um, it out and <laughs> That's awesome. We interview breast cancer survivors. Um, they share their stories, their treatment plans, uh, the decisions that you have to you have to make a lot of decisions in a really short time. Um, we're going to be enhancing it with more education, having some, um, you know, I'm, I'm kind of working with the survivors right now on like hot topics they want to talk about, like mm-hmm. dating after breast cancer or divorce after breast cancer. So um, moving forward, I'll start incorporating um, those. We've had some husbands sit in on it and give their perspective and their lens of a co-survivor, which has been really, really nice. Um, and because at the end of the day, 330,000 women will be diagnosed um, with breast cancer in our country this year, I guarantee you they're not going to go step a foot into a support group, but they can at least get in their car and push play. And so I hope that, um, number one, I want these stories to be time capsules for these families and Mm -hmm. I want their grandkids to hear their breast cancer, their grandma's breast cancer story or, you know, however many traditions and generations get to to hear these stories. And and I want to make sure that a woman, a newly diagnosed woman doesn't feel so alone when she gets Mm -hmm. that diagnosis. Um, So those are... And I love how you put like after the name, you put their stage and like the type, because I think that helps too for women who are looking through to find someone who's maybe going through a similar experience and being able or having to make some of those decisions treatment wise, which are different depending on the type or the stage that you have. So I know like my, my husband's mom who was just diagnosed, like it's kind of similar to maybe what you said about going through it with your sister is like, 
sometimes it's a blessing and a curse to know to know a lot about what's going on and like my husband being in the medical field it was interesting seeing him navigate that and you know we we were so blessed that he had some knowledge and we could get her into the right doctors and do the right things and listen to multiple opinions and help make decisions and you know a lot of people don't have that and it's so overwhelming and to think about just how you know even how she interpreted a lot of what the doctor said just based on you know the way the information was presented or the environment or like who was running behind schedule and who was on time and little <laughs> things like that that really influence your whole experience so i think just being able to listen to someone else's experience and connect with them even through a podcast is so incredibly powerful yeah, and a lot of the women, um, I think that most of our listeners are breast cancer survivors, which is totally cool. Was, that was very intentional on my behalf. Mm-hmm. People were like, do you want to make this for like the CrossFit community? And I was like, no, breast cancer survivors. They're like, well, that's so niche. And I'm like, yep, that's my niche. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I don't care if 30 people listen, like <laughs> they're going to listen. Yeah. Um, and so I've gotten a lot of feedback from the survivors and it's like, um, because they're not not every day is a good day. Um, and, and we're human, right? So a lot of us have bad days, but what's nice is they're like, Oh, I, I'm so thankful I had the podcast today. I'm like, I had to hear somebody else's story. I hear, I had to hear another woman struggling with something. And so, um, again, I, I really want that to be a place of, of, um, peace, you know, a place of peace and, and, um, connect and connection with, with women. And so those are my two biggest projects that I spend most of my time and energy on is the support group and the podcast. Okay. And then the next thing that we are working on right now is really, um, I'm it, it's all new. Ooh, this is all new. <laughs> Don't tell anybody I told you this. Uh, <laughs> it's all secret stuff right now. So we started everything with a scholarship. And so we learned a lot. The last year we've been paying for CrossFit scholarship um, uh, for a year in CrossFit. So we were paying for a year of CrossFit membership. So we've had a few women now graduate it. Here's mm-hmm. the problem. Now what? Yeah, now what do they do? <laughs> <laughs> now what, guys? Uh, so for me, I'm always looking how, again, how do we, how are we a part of their life forever? You know, and so a one-year scholarship program doesn't really fit the bill for me personally. Yeah. I think it's great. And women are like, thank you so much. I'm like, mm-hmm. awesome. Happy we could help you. Um, but so now uh, what I want to, what we're building out for 2020, this is going to be the thing that we're we're funding, you know, this is what we need okay. to fund. Um, cause the podcast and the, the support group is just time, right? Mm-hmm. Time and manpower. Um, so we're going to be putting together, it's going to be called the rad plan. And Ooh. so if you're part of the rad plan, <laughs> <laughs> what will be happening as a woman comes in right when, right when we get, um, in, when, once their, their inquiry comes in, we're going to do a full assessment on them. So we're going to evaluate their movement patterns, their nutrition, where they're at in their nutrition and their treatment. Um, And so they'll kind of get like a movement score, a nutrition score and a treatment score. And then um, we'll build out an entire rehab, uh, prehab and rehab program for them. Mm -hmm. And then we'll make sure that we understand what their general training is. So if their general training is CrossFit, awesome. Cool. Like we know that you're doing CrossFit. We're going to check on your CrossFit programming. Um, if we know you're a weightlifter, awesome. Like we have women that um, are horseback riders. Awesome. Mm-hmm. I don't know what. Um, <laughs> and then and then from there, what we'll do is um, we want to do some more fun, like sports specific goals for the year. Um, and so each year evaluating what their goals are. So like, you know, I had one of our horseback riders. She was like, this is my goal this year. And I was like, I have no idea what you just said. But <laughs> 
going to find a horseback riding coach and make sure <laughs> that you get that because I have no idea. <laughs> None. Um, and so whether like and so what we want to do is now become a part of their we want to be the plan for them. We want to say Barbell Street is the plan for you. And we want to make sure that we're checking on your assessment because what we found in the scholarship program, we kind of outsourced it. And we didn't really have a good grip and mm-hmm. we know affiliate owners are busy. And so but what we'll have is if you need uh, financial assistance in your general training, will help fund your general training programs. Uh, and so there'll be like scholarship, need-based scholarship mm-hmm. um, opportunities. Uh, we'll also uh, be working with hopefully Healthy Steps Nutrition um, oh, on nice. their nutrition. So we'll, we'll be we're working with them. Again, this is not complete, that but this is great. all what we're working on. Um, plan. This is the plan. Actually, I think I'm having, I think Nicole, I, I interviewed Nicole for the podcast, and I think hers will be within the next month as well. So oh, I love beautiful her. synergy. Yes. <laughs> So uh, the goal is to create new sh- nutrition plans and templates for survivors because they go through so many different treatments. And so mm-hmm. I really want to make sure that that they're getting the right nutrition for where they're at in their treatment plan. So, for example, we had a woman that she just had um, reconstruction and she's like, OK, I got an RP template. And I was like and she's like, I did it for a non-active athlete. And I was like, but you're recovering. So mm-hmm. you need to eat like you're training at your heart is capacity, your body's mm-hmm. recovering. I, I, I don't think, I think you're, you need to eat more, you know? And so, um, kind of work with <laughs> the professional Nicole. Mm-hmm. So it's not yeah. me saying you need to eat more. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was like, that's my two cents. Um, and so really working with Nicole on doing nutrition plans. And then again, if they need more nutritional support, looking for need-based scholarships on nutrition and then on their general training. So that's really going to be the beef of, you know, the plan is going to be more of our, the biggest program we have. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you're in the plan, you're, you're stuck with us for life. Like it's kind of like every year we do, we figure <laughs> out your goals, we figure out what you're training, we figure out, we assess your nutrition. And so um, we're really going to be walking, walking right by the, their side every day. That's amazing. So that, and then we'll still have our collective once a year. We'll, we'll, you know, 15 lucky girls or however many we, mm-hmm. we're trying to make it where it's like everybody can go to the collective, but um, that one's it's such a big investment for us that right. we're kind of, um, but everyone should go, you know, it's one of those yeah. things where it's like, how do we make that happen? Um, yeah. And, and we'll continue educating coaches and making sure coaches feel comfortable uh, with mm-hmm. breast cancer survivors in their gym. So that's yeah. amazing. And I, and you have a whole program on your site, which is, it looks like it's totally free that coaches can take. And it's a, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, go ahead and explain it. Yeah, it's a it's a uh, it's a course on our website. So if you go to barbellsreboobs.org and hit programs, it's called the library. So just scroll onto the library. It's a free program for a free education course for any coach, anybody that wants to work with survivors. It gives you kind of the 101 on breast cancer, uh, the different treatments that will happen uh, with certain diagnosis and things that we have to be careful of as coaches and when they're in the gym and things to do, not to do and things to watch out for. So as well as like behavioral changes and emotional um, changes that happen after a breast cancer diagnosis. So I love that. I think it's such an amazing resource because so many times, I mean, and I think we need that resource for so many different diagnoses for different stages of life. You know, we, I think, you know, so much of CrossFit, it is just about using common sense and scaling appropriately and all those things. But I think there's so much knowledge that can be gained from learning about those specific conditions even thinking about like pregnancy is another great example of you know 
we need to help give give coaches more tools to educate them on how they can better support their members as they're going through these different you know diagnoses or stages of life. One hundred percent. You know, I think that there's especially you're seeing more women in the gym now and and getting strong and this fitness movement is only growing and and um, getting larger. And so I think that this is going to I think the future is um, educating coaches because you're seeing so many people now coaching and building businesses and you're seeing more fitness than I think I've ever seen in my life. And um they're thirsty for this information. And so uh, giving it to them and making sure that we're finding the experts because there's not a lot of mm-hmm. exercise oncology experts out there. Like, right. Right. <laughs> oncology and you have the courses. Not- it's, it's taught by an actual exercise physiologist, correct? Mm-hmm. His PhD really and he's cool. so, so, so smart and speaks really sexy and really <laughs> easy on the eyes. <laughs> that always helps. Re- ready for that. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, check that out. And then the um, and then you also have a map. So so if someone yeah. who has breast cancer is looking for a gym in their area, they can find a map with all the gyms who have coaches who've taken that course, which I think is super cool. Yeah, yeah, we're Love trying, it. and it's so funny because it's like just be patient with us. Like we, we, we've just like completed <laughs> barbells for boobs and reboost. We're like re re reboosting and um, yeah. all these things. They're so, they're so needed. Right. And so it's mm-hmm. us making sure that we're providing the right resources at the right time uh, for the right mm-hmm. populations. And so, um, you know, for, for last year, my, my, my energy all went into that library and building that library and, and then, um, and the scholarship program and then it was shifted to the podcast and doing all this stuff. And now it's, now it's the plan. <laughs> I have to have, have a new like, plan. Project. <laughs> <laughs> of course. It's like you said, you always have to be open to change and shifting and doing new things. So that's exciting. <laughs> Evolving. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I also just really briefly wanted to, t- to touch on the fact that, you know, you're founder of Barbell for Boobs. You had been the CEO for, I think, 10 full years and recently um, this year stepped down as the CEO. So I just wanted to hear kind of from you about what prompted that decision and then how it changed your day-to-day involvement with the company. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I just woke up one day. And <laughs> 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 um, it's been something that I've been talking about and um, uh, working with my board really closely on you know, I'm, I'm tired. I'm overworked. I've been overworked. I need a break. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that what we'll find in founders is I don't even know if we know what a break is or <clears throat> even know what we want to do. And, um, I just knew that I was still very traumatized by the loss of my sister. Um, I didn't think that I was managing the company, um, and the capacity that I should have been as the CEO. Mm-hmm. And, um, I thought that the best thing for me to do because I knew a lot of decisions had to be made and I knew that some of the programs that we had implemented weren't um, creating an enough momentum for the organization um, and weren't, weren't doing what they should have been doing and weren't being managed well. And at the end uh, you could have as many employees as you want. You could have people overseeing projects, but at the end you're, you're in charge. And so if something doesn't get done or if goals aren't being hit, you're responsible for it as a CEO. And so I, um, yeah, I just had made, I made a decision that I just, I wasn't mentally or physically or emotionally at the best in my life. Mm-hmm. And Barbell for Boobs deserves the best. And I wasn't at my best. 
Mm-hmm. And so for my own sanity and um, for my and for Barbell Tribus, I I just made that decision that for right now I need some time off. Mm-hmm. And so I guess I could ask for a sabbatical. <laughs> 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 and I also, you know, there's this place in me where I was like, ah, uh, like my confidence wasn't there either. Like I should probably be be smart. Like I have a high school diploma. Um, I never finished college. And so that kind of creeps up on you uh, when you have so many responsibilities and the world is expecting you to grow and, you know, do this and do that. And this is what we should be doing. And this is what we should be doing. And I was like, well, if that's what we should be doing, like, I'm not your girl. Like, you want to do CrossFit all day long. I am here. I am passionate. But you guys are now talking about something that I that's go ahead. Like, I don't I don't know how to do that. And so um, so I really thought that we needed somebody with like an MBA for what the board wanted at that time. And, mm-hmm. um, and I just wasn't the girl and, and I was okay with that. So yeah. So I decided to let them figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> well, it sounds like it's going well. How did, how did you spend some of that extra time or time off? Or I, it sounds like you're still uh, working very hard, but, but <laughs> was there anything that you did um, to help yourself kind of mentally, emotionally recover? Yeah. So I, right out of high school, I went to massage therapy school. And so I had my own practice for 12 years. Um, wow. Yeah. So I. Massage I, therapy and professional dancer. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I go go dance too every so once cool. in a while. <laughs> <laughs> so I went back to where I started healing people. So I work at a wellness center now and I'm back to massaging and, um, I, it lights me up because I just, I love it so much. It, mm-hmm. it's brought me so much peace and joy and like taking my ability to heal somebody and doing it one person at a time, mm-hmm. um, has really helped heal me. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I can walk in a room and my only job for the next hour is to make this person feel better mm-hmm. and they don't know who I am. They have no idea my background. They could, they, you know, they, mm-hmm. they only know me as their massage therapist. Um, and so it's been very, very rewarding and exactly, uh, where I needed to be or where I need to be right now. So I, I am, uh, actively a massage therapist again. And, um, I did three and a half massages today. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so that's where I, that and spending more time with my son and mm-hmm. having a little bit of time in the summer to um, be around him. And right now, um, I took some time off of barbells for boobs, but um, now I'm kind of right back in and doing the things that I feel like only can be done by me mm-hmm. um, and being very selective about those things and doing my best to stay, keep those boundaries to, it's so easy for me to like fall into the you know, because what ended up happening is <laughs> had made about 21 people on our team by the time I resigned. And so my job ended up being managing 21 people to make sure their job was done. Mm-hmm. And that's where I was just like, I don't, I don't want to do this. <laughs> this is crazy. Like fun. <laughs> not fun. Um, and so I really want to be in the trenches in the work and mm-hmm. massaging again allows me to be in the trenches doing the work. And so um, I, I, what I've learned is I've, just because I'm not meant to manage people doesn't mean I'm not a great leader or I'm not great. Um, it's just now me really articulating what I can do well for the organization um, and and really dialing in those things and just dedicating my time where I have some time to do those things for the organization. So I am still the founder and doing founder-ish things. Um, they've had 
conversations with me about kind of coming back as kind of an interim CEO, like a part-time CEO. And um, I'm, I'm playing around with the idea, but I'm just kind of like, it's going to only be 20 hours a week, right? <laughs> <laughs> boundaries, boundaries. <laughs> it's like, mm, scary. But my husband really stepped up and my husband's really been uh, running the day-to-day operations of the organization. So he runs all the social media. If you contact us on Inflat, that's my husband responding. He builds our website. He does all of the design work. He ships oh. all the t-shirts. Um, <laughs> he does all of that. <laughs> so he does amazing. and manages all the operations and the day-to-day. And then I run the podcast. I oversee the support group. And right now I oversee um, pretty much anybody that's contacting us for help. So uh, survivors. So that's nothing big. Sounds like the, <laughs> the right mix. <laughs> And it's really just uh, my husband and I that are running barbell Boobs right now. Wow! So you said a lot of a lot of layoffs. <laughs> <laughs> like no, literally, we were like, "Bye." <laughs> um, no, and my sister does help with outreach, and she like helps us manage the fundraising teams and okay. any of the activity. But that's so seasonal, um, and she's really passionate about it, and she loves doing that. So, and then um, Chris's mom helps with all the finances and kind of the administration stuff. So. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we're kind of just just kind of saying we're at the most minimal. And mm-hmm. if, you know, I, what we learned, honestly, was there's so many things that I can do so much faster than anybody else. Like, yeah. and, and, that, and I'm okay with that. And so, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, so we're just kind of trutting along. <laughs> that's amazing. Oh, my gosh. That's so cool. That's so cool. So, yeah, but what once are we you- start... Once we oh, start the plan, we'll, uh, we're, right now we're working um, directly with, with professionals that will be overseeing the plan. The, okay. the plan. That nobody knows about. <laughs> the plan should be revealed. <laughs> and we'll bring and find the professionals to do that work mm-hmm. and work with us. But we'll kind of still keep the relationships with the survivors. So. I love yeah. that. What are you most proud of that Barbell Tribune has accomplished in the last 10 years? That we're still here. <laughs> that's awesome still here still helping people still here. Helping people. we did it no it's you know when it, there's been so many days where i'm like let's just shut down like like literally i'll get to like january february and i'm like oh people still like we'll get contacted i'm like oh people still want to do this thing in next year like people are like when's barbells for boobs happening i'm like oh you guys want to still do it okay we'll do it sure? <laughs> do you guys want to do this I just want to own a gym again. Um, And so, uh, yeah, I think that that's what I'm most proud of is, you know, it it, just that we're still here. I mean, Mm -hmm. there's so many changes that have happened, like you've said, in the community. And uh, we're uh, the second longest standing brand in CrossFit outside of Rogue. And that's that's amazing. That's probably what I'm the most proud of. And, uh, you know, there's been it's just been me being stubborn and even as hard as it's gotten or as mm-hmm. much as things can happen and um, it would be shutting down would be the easy road. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll be honest, if it wasn't for my husband, I would have shut it down when my sister passed away. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so my husband really helped me. Let He reminded me that this isn't about me, mm-hmm. you know, and I had to be reminded of that. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, yeah, so that's what I'm most proud of. We're still, you can still That's call us. <laughs> and many husband, more years to come. My husband will answer the phone. <laughs> <laughs> and now, and now he's, he's doing a lot of the work. 
Um, okay, so I want to start wrapping up with three questions that I ask everyone at the end of the podcast. So my first question is, what are the three things that you do on a regular basis that have the biggest positive impact on your health? Oh, my health. Um, I, I move every day. So I, I do, I, I'm a, I'm a weightlifter, but moving every day is so important to mm-hmm. my health, my mental, emotional, my everything, mind, body, soul, movement. Do you um, do any other types of movement besides weightlifting or CrossFit? Um, I mean, if you give me a dance floor, I'll go dance all day. <laughs> oh, yeah, of course, right? <laughs> How did I forget? <laughs> um, no, I mean, obviously, like, the, the normal, silly, like, I stretch. Um, but walking, I love walking. Mm-hmm. A good walk is just it's mm-hmm. unbeatable. So I do walk every day, um, walk my dog. But mm-hmm. on those, that's my probably my favorite thing to do is walk. Okay. Um, so that's one. And then two is just, making sure that I'm eating well and you know, I'm food prepping and that my, Mm -hmm. that, that I'm planning for it. And I, and I can look at my day and be like, okay, like you can't go seven hours without eating Mm because you know what happens at seven hours. If you don't eat, you'll eat anything. (laughs) Uh, So just being mindful of, of, you know, my intake and I used to count macros and I've done the carnivore diet and I've done all kinds of stuff and just figured out what works for me and just, um, you know, just making sure that I, I feel myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and lastly is, uh, man, just have fun. Like I try to have like 30 okay. minutes of fun every day, like play a game with my son or, um, you know, paint with him or just like, la- like be a kid almost like just 30 minutes at least of just laughing and fun um, is so important to my health. So, so important. So we those can are my- use more of that. <laughs> I could definitely <laughs> use more of that. Maybe oh, I seriously, get outside. Love it. Love it. Um, what is one thing that you think would have a big impact on your health, but you have a hard time implementing it or you haven't tried it yet? Uh, to stop drinking wine. <laughs> Um, <laughs> I've like I just love wine and it's I, I think I've put so many like other restrictions in my life of like not restrictions but I've been disciplined in so many other things where I'm like I just enjoy a glass of wine at night like why can't I give this up and I've tried and I've gone like 14 days and I'm like dang I really just want wine right now <laughs> uh, so that's one There's of my things where I'm that, like, you- like Mediterranean lifestyle or French lifestyle right well, it was like, it's so bad where like I stopped wearing my whoop because I hated it telling me that my heart rate was high when I had wine. <laughs> I was like, you know what? I don't need to know. I know it goes high when I have wine. It's all right. Um, so that's the one where it's like, that one, that one would be real. I, I know for my health, mm-hmm. not drinking is better, but it's one where it's like, really, do I have to give that up too? I give up bubble gum first. Well, there's something um, about mental health, too. And like you said, being too strict about everything in your life is not always good either. But I have created rules, you know, so I've, I've put some rules in place with okay. my wine. I have my health rules. <laughs> <laughs> like no more than two, no less than one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. Okay. Last question is, what does a healthy life look like to you? A healthy life looks like uh, peace. 
you know, just, just pure peace. Um, I read something the other day and it really resonated with me. Uh, it said there's two types of tired. There's tired that you need sleep and there's tired that you need peace. Mm -hmm. And I think that, um, we all associate, um, peace with, Oh, I had enough rest and I have, I've, um, you know, I've, I've, but for me, peace is everything. It's, it's, a you know, financially, you feel at peace with your money, how you spend it. Um, as a parent, you feel good about how you're parenting, how you're a role model, like you have peace with that, how you treat people, you have peace on, on how you show up, you have mm -hmm. peace with your work, what you're doing. And uh, I think that that is, that's the best way that I can, you know, as long as I feel at peace with everything. And that's, again, like, let me go back to my resignation. I didn't have peace. Mm -hmm. I was, I was not sleeping well. My resting heart rate was at 88 every single day. Um, and, and I didn't have peace and, and it was like, uh, Oh, a bottle of wine will fix this. And so, so again, see, not more yeah. than two, I don't do a bottle of wine every morning, anymore, <laughs> every night. Um, and I think that you, you having to recognize when you're not at peace, that's, mm -hmm. and being able to be honest with yourself and saying, we're not at peace. And yeah. I know you care a lot about Barbell Shrubuzi. I know you, it means everything, but your health means more to me. Like my mm -hmm. fine, my inner voice was finally like, this is so unhealthy for us that mm -hmm. you have to stop this right now. Like, I don't mm -hmm. care. I know it's your baby. I know you're the queen. I know all this stuff. And my body was finally like, nope, we're done. And I literally woke up at like four in the morning and wrote my resignation and sent it wow. to my husband. I was like, I'm sending this out today. And he's like, okay. Because <laughs> wow. um, my, my, my health was way more important to me. Mm -hmm. So well, it's so peace. true, and you're you can like ignore those voices and cover those voices up for so long, but eventually, like your body will tell you, like it will not take it anymore. And some people, I think it takes longer than others, but that's so true. Well, people have heart attacks, or people, yeah. you know, like you see it every yeah. day, or people are dying, or you know, it's mm -hmm. stress is a real thing. Stress oh, is a dude. it's a it's a huge health issue, and. Um, <laughs> And I was under a lot of stress and didn't know how to manage it, didn't know how to ask for help. I was still mourning my sister's loss and the loss of my sister and just everything just kept piling on. And, you know, I thought, oh, I'll work out and I'll feel better or oh, I'll meditate and I feel better. None of it worked. And I was like, I have to let go of the one thing I haven't let go of yet. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's my, you know, barbells for boots right now. It needs yeah. to step aside. So, yeah. Well, you seem like you are very much at peace. <laughs> um, and I'm sure Barbells for Boobs will have many more evolutions to come that mm -hmm. I'm excited to see. Um, but I really appreciate you being so vulnerable and sharing all this stuff with us because it makes, I mean, I know you're just a really real person and I appreciate you sharing that because I think that people relate and have probably gone through similar experiences. So. Of course. Yeah. I mean, uh, it's a, at the end of the day that, you know, Barbell Shrubus is a real thing. I mean, real people mm -hmm. provide us their real money and want real results, you know, mm -hmm. and if I can't be real with them and tell them my struggles and tell them who I am, that, that why would anybody want to invest in what we're doing, you know? And mm -hmm. so that's, that's the most important thing. So when we talk about picking the right charities, like find people that will tell you when they messed up. <laughs> I've messed up so many times <laughs> and people that will be real, you know, and that's, you know, thank you for recognizing that. <laughs> I'm so vulnerable. <laughs> you vulnerable. My husband's like, did you just say that? I'm like, yep, I just said that. 
um, but no, I'm really excited because um, we uh, we're going to post this podcast when we are ramping up for our big fundraiser for Barbells for Boobs this year, which I'm super excited about because um, it started actually, so it's a marathon row, which started six years ago. My, I think actually I saw like Sam Briggs had posted her rowing a marathon on Christmas for, she was fundraising for something. And I was like, "Mm, I don't really want to row a whole marathon, but maybe I can get my family to do that. (laughs) So amazing. (laughs) So, and luckily my husband's parents have a rower that they just keep in their living room and they actually row a lot, like just almost every day they're on that rower. And so I got my, well, that first year, I think it was just his family. We all took turns kind of rowing until we got to a, a marathon and we had like Christmas movies on and Christmas tree in the background and we were just kind of like hanging out on Christmas. And then the next year my family had to get involved. So then my parents and my aunt came over and now it's this tradition where we just get our whole family together in row. And last year we said, okay, we're doing this every year. Like we should probably try to get other people to join us and maybe (laughs) we can raise money for some sort of cause. And so last year we donated all of our, um, proceeds to a charity that my husband's aunt runs for kids in Nicaragua, which is where his whole family is from. So that was really mm-hmm. cool because we had been to Nicaragua in 2017 and we got to see a lot of the work they were doing. So it was really neat to be able to kind of contribute to what she was doing. But this is year two and we, we were like, okay, I think we need to pick a different organization every year so that we can mix it up a little bit. And with mm-hmm. Danny's mom just recently being diagnosed and my aunt having gone through this process, we were like, what better organization than Barbells for Boots? So <laughs> we're super, super excited. And we're hoping to get tons of people involved, getting teams together to row a marathon at some point over the holiday season. It doesn't have to be Christmas Day like us, but yeah. um, hopefully we can raise more money and fund some of the plans for people. The plan! <laughs> 2020. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, mama needs a plan. And is, is she going to participate in the row? <laughs> think that, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to get. No, she is doing amazing. She's rowing every day. Um, we actually uh-huh. were at. So her second chemo treatment was the day before Thanksgiving. And we were like, oh, like, she's probably not going to be feeling well. Like, you know, maybe we should, you know, we can. We can be there if she wants us to be around, but maybe she doesn't want to be around people. I don't know. But she was like, no, you guys have to come over. She cooked an entire Thanksgiving dinner. Like, I think it, I think it was therapeutic for her just like have us there and to cook and have all the preparations. And like, you would never have guessed that she just had a chemo treatment the day before. It was so amazing to see how well she was doing. And she just has such a great attitude about it all. So she will definitely be rowing (laughs) for sure. Yeah, um, awesome. You have to so get yeah, footage for it. We're excited. Oh, for sure. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> well, let us know how we can help and, you know, obviously any of our resources or anything we can do to help promote it or anything. You just let us know. Well, of course. So. We're just we're just excited to um to get behind it and hopefully we'll all raise lots of money for you for you guys. <laughs> cool. It's going to be well, awesome. Thank you so much once again. I really appreciate it. And I'm super excited to see all that Barbells for Boobs has for the next 
10 years. Like <laughs> <It's hundreds. crazy. laughs> I know, it's crazy that actually 10, so 2009, that's when I started CrossFit. Hey there, thanks so much for tuning in to this episode. I hope you enjoyed learning about Zayana and about barbells for boobs. Um, I know for me, it was great to get to know her on a more personal level and really understand where our donations are going this year as we raise money this holiday season through our Christmas Team Marathon Row fundraiser. So again, if you'd like to learn more about how to participate in the Marathon Row and how to donate two barbells for boobs, please visit christmasmarathonrow.com. Again, that's christmasmarathonrow.com. I hope that you will consider getting a group together this holiday season to join us and raise some money for a great cause. It's been an awesome family tradition for us. We have fun every single time we do it. It's a great way just to get people together to do something fun and celebrate the holiday and the spirit of the season. To make sure you never miss an episode and to receive exclusive content from me, head to my website, juliefouché.com and subscribe to my email list. If you like what you heard, don't forget to subscribe and consider giving the podcast a five-star rating on iTunes. Also, don't forget to share your stories. If you or someone you know has used lifestyle to overcome a serious health challenge, please send me an email at info at I'll choose some of these inspiring stories to share here on future episodes. Don't forget you can train with me through Beyond the Whiteboard by visiting trainwithjuliefouché.com. Thank you again so much for listening, and I'll catch you next time on Pursuing Health.